You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? Absolutely great. I'm a little worse for wear because, uh, as you may not know, we have a boil water notice going on in, uh, in Dublin at the moment, in North Dublin. So I was unable to drink water, so I was forced to, uh, to drink beer instead last night. And now I'm uh, slightly feeling feeling it. Maybe I was better off with the, the water. What the What's the boil water notice about? It's like, I think it's cryptosporidium or something like that in the water. They like messed up at the, uh, like the treatment plant or whatever. So, so they're saying, oh, you got to boil all your water before you use it. Or you could, could get some weird poops. Yeah, I think this this is the second world water notice we had in the last uh, you know the last month or so. Uh, yeah, the first one was cryptosporidium. That was a few weeks for that was for a few days. Uh, but then this this one now is uh, is due to like increased turbidity in the final sample they took. So it seems like this is a, a separate root cause, a separate almost like a separate incident <laughs> in the same plant uh, over the last uh, few days. And it's like I don't know. <laughs> we can get it into a big a big discussion about Irish water instead of magic gathering this episode. But uh, they're 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 blaming uh, heavy rainfall uh, out in Nixip, which like I mean, it's very very surprising that that's not something that's already controlled for or accounted for. Yeah, you think that would be the number one factor in in Ireland that you would have to watch out for? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, it's a big mess, but um, yeah, six hundred thousand people without water. Jesus, <laughs> it's a quarter of the country. No, an eighth of the country. Yeah, you could still use it to like bathe and stuff like that. You just can't uh, drink it. Hmm. Well, I had no idea this was happening. I'm very unimpressed. How's the water in uh, in Vietnam? Wolf, hard, soft. It's very poor, Wet. very poor, and very hard. Um, okay. Yeah, you have to drink bottled water here. Um, we get big things of bottled water delivered for forty thousand, which forty thousand is about one euro and seventy cents, uh, and it's twenty liters of water. So that's pretty good. Wow. But there was actually there was a big accident at a a light bulb factory exploded uh, in the south of Hanoi about say about maybe three weeks ago, and uh, a load of mercury leaked out during the fire and basically destroyed all the water uh, systems nearby. Like I think it got into like the pipes and stuff. So that is pretty bad. I don't know. Like it was one of those situations where they had to send out water trucks. Um, I don't know what it's like now. It didn't affect me because I'm in the north of Hanoi, so uh, <laughs> that's fine. Holy crap. Yeah. It seems like we're going into some kind of Mad Max-esque world here. Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. I've been reading a lot of uh, apocalyptic fantasy lately as well, so um, uh, if anybody's in for a, a good good apocalyptic novel, uh, check out Station Eleven. It's a good one, just as a, a literary... Uh, Literary suggestion for the start of the podcast. Station 11 by Emily St. John Mandel. Or Mandel, I don't know. Uh, great book. Anyway. <laughs> cool. Check it out. Last, I'm going to start saving my bottle caps. Fortunately, I have plenty of bottle caps in case, uh, in case they become the main currency in a post-apocalyptic world. I think that's unlikely. I do know that they're, they're going to be the right kind of bottle cap, though. Yeah. Well, they, they, it's, it's, uh, it's a free guess. It's a free roll. You know? True. True. It is a free roll. I'll be collecting these anyway. Um, also, uh, Toronto Belgian draft chaff, draft chaff. Uh, they might be, um, yeah, they, they might be crazy as well. Yeah, I can see it. There's a lot of, uh, 
copyright protection built in. <laughs> you know, anti-fraud mechanisms. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was pretty here. I, I was gifted uh, Sir Alan the Lion's Claw, a foil Sir Alan the Lion's Claw. That's my name. By who? Uh, Amy Jones. Shoutouts podcast. Friend of the show. Yeah. Which which bottle cap do you think would be like the lowest denomination in the post-apocalypse? I think it'd be Heineken. <laughs> Why Heineken? Because it's just so common. Yeah, I think I think uh, the, the yeah I think the frequency of of um you know, the display of it will determine um yeah oh yeah the, the, the values. Yeah, so it's gonna be like some some mad uh, craft beer would be like the one of those would be worth a hundred Heineken bottle caps. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You can tell there's not much going on in Magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, despite the fact that there is a Mythic Championship on this weekend, uh, ongoing actually at the moment, as we speak, have it on in another window here on Silent. Uh, the top eight is happening. And really, I mean, that's that's most of uh, what we have in terms of news this week. Um, we do also, we will also have, you know, more chat about Pioneer. Of course, we're loving that, continuing to enjoy it as as uh as it evolves and post ban as well so yeah we didn't talk about the bands yet did we uh we recorded before they came out i think did we did we i can't remember let me just check it i wasn't here for it so oh yeah we were fairly sure he's recorded the weekend it came out on monday it was monday this week it came out yeah and we recorded sunday i think i think we did yeah yeah so we can talk about that briefly if you want i think the only one really worth talking about is um the the nissa ban like in terms of the other two were uh pretty expected i think sure yeah it seems to be kind of the, the rationale for uh, banning both this was just the fact that it enables true mana planeswalkers so it's like an attempt to power down true mana planeswalkers without banning uh three mana planeswalkers but yeah, ID, guess, guess um, what there's still three mana planeswalkers you can't yeah. do anything about that part still got three mana yeah, you, gotta, you gotta pick other mana for it but it's still very powerful um <laughs> and uh, yeah that just changed in that, in that context Nope, they have been all over the place. There's like a blue-white control deck that's been gaining popularity with uh, playing Narset and Teferi, three mana Teferi, obviously in the main, but a bit like modern, playing the the one-off Gaia Reach Sanitarium as a cheesy way to lock your opponent out. There's obviously still a lot of Okos running around, Teferi running around a lot of other decks. So yeah, the three mana Planeswalkers are definitely here to stay. Shocking, I know. <laughs> I, I'm still okay with the ban. I, I, I like just in terms of like. The color pie, I think it's ridiculous that kind of green has access to the best one mana cantrip in the format if Oath of Ness is legal. So I'm I'm totally fine with banning it just just on that basis. Although it's still having access to once upon a time feels quite silly, I think. Yeah, instead of, instead of banning the best uh, one mana cantrip, they instead of yeah, instead of banning the best zero mana cantrip, they went to one mana. But uh yeah, I I, I can very much see them banning uh or banning uh once upon a time in place of openness if once upon a time wasn't such a new card. Yeah. Maybe there is a surrogacy to ban something from you said. Yeah, I think that's I think that's basically what what happened there. Um yeah, it's like it's still fine though. It's like a I don't think I don't think once upon a time is oppressive or whatever. It's just like a silly card, you know? And like you're probably making a mistake not putting it in a lot of your green decks. So in terms of uh, you know, format diversity and everything, it does just kind of take up slots in a lot of decks, you know, kind of automatically, which is never great. But I'm fine with it sticking around for the moment, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's. I, I kind of. I'd rather. I'd rather see. I'd rather see more bands of just you know very powerful, impressive cards that are with conditions. Um, in terms of power level, uh, I'd like to see bands of that first rather than these you know, neighbors. 
Yeah, like I've said before, I'd like to see, you know, one of the blue mana, uh, one mana can- cantrips preordain or ponder uh, unbanned in modern just to make blue stronger in modern. Uh, maybe it's not no nece- not so necessary now after they've printed like Teferi and stuff like that, a bunch of the blue cards recently. But um, I don't know. I kind of, I like having access to powerful cantrips. It's one of the reasons I like Legacy. But at the same time, you want formats to feel different as well. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I feel like, you know, even though um, you've got ponder preordain, Legacy, I feel like you know, brainstorm is is the legacy card, the legacy, the pace of legacy. So we could have one of those, one of those, uh, one of those P cantrips uh, without necessarily taking away from legacy. <laughs> but it maybe destroys modern. Well, have to see. I mean, they are really strong cards, but you know, I think that's fine. There's absolute nonsense goes on in modern. Yeah. The problem with those cantrips, I guess, is it just makes your nonsense more consistent, though. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, kind of a meandering conversation there, but there you go. Yeah, from, from Pioneer Bands to Modern Cantrips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I... I, uh, I did say... Just, or... sorry, just, to, uh, just to kind of give further context to the to the Pioneer Bands, so the cards that were banned, I know we don't want to talk about two of them in that much detail, but Feldar Guardian banned, Leyland of Abundance, and Oath of Nyssa. Um, Feldar Guardian, obviously, cat combo, they just found it too consistent, too much of a win the game on the spot, uh, led to unhealthy play patterns. And then Leyline of Abundance, obviously, you know, was discovered to be absolutely busted in the Monograin Devotion deck. And that's also part of why Oath of Nyssa got banned as well. So Oath of Nyssa kind of hit both of those decks, the Felder Guardian as a, a deck that also kind of abused, not abused, but in used used to the fullest extent, the suite of three mana Planeswalkers and Oath of Nyssa really just contributing to that. And, you know, when Oath of Nyssa was in standard, we did kind of call it the, the green ponder. So, you know, the, the power level is very good. Um, interesting thing about the line of abundance being banned. So it, it, you know, it contributed to to green devotion, and you know, it allowed you to get those busted uh, turn to Nissa starts. Um, I think that is still possible. I think it's still possible. To do. Yeah, happened to me yesterday. Yeah. I'm so annoyed. Yeah. So I think honestly, I actually think that deck is still too good. Um, and once upon a time possibly is the problem i know you guys are saying maybe it's not too bad but i do think that once upon a time it has potential to be banned in this format just because you have such um such a critical mass of one mana accelerators and then once you have once upon a time that just pretty much allows you to find them you know most games you you know if, if you're using for example goose alongside the two elves then that's you know that's insane uh you're, and then you have once upon a time that's uh, 16 sources for a, a one mana uh, a one drop accelerator and then uh, maybe burning tree emissary is a problem as well that also is what's enabling these turn two misses yeah I think that card's so weak on its own that it's fu- like once upon a time finding it is is a bigger issue there as you said like it's just whatever piece you're missing whether it's the burning tree emissary the nickthos or the one mana mana dork the once upon a time is, is most likely going to find it so yeah and they did say that they don't want to touch nickthos because nickthos can enable obviously devotion strategies in every color and they would like to see that happening I think some people speculated that maybe nickthos could be reprinted in the upcoming tarot set that could be nice i think it's kind of expensive now yeah i think it is expensive even if it's not reprinted presumably that new tarot set will have a lot of stuff that'll work well with devotion strategies so that's probably another reason they don't want to ban it before that set comes out because they don't want that to be gone before it starts yeah sure yeah we we can see 
we can pretty clearly see the seeds for devotion in Throne of Eldraine's adamant mechanic. Uh, so I, I think it's fairly safe bet that that devotion is coming back. And uh, yeah, Nykthos obviously is is positioned to take advantage of that. So as far as the evolution of the format past that, uh, I feel like aggro decks have come out of the woodwork in a big way. Yep, I would agree with that. Seeing a lot of them in leagues and stuff like that, a lot of different varieties as well. People are playing like green stompy decks, mono red. You see a little bit of mono black. We're seeing white weenie for a little bit. I'm not really, haven't really seen that lately. Um, even seeing like mono one mono blue flyers lists with like Curious's obsession and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty much every color. Yes. Um, the ones that I've seen the most have been mono red, and as well as that. I've started to see a lot of red-green with the energy package, like Voltaic Brawler and then Pummeler, and then people playing, obviously, Become Immense and Teamer Battle Rage to pump up the Pummeler. Uh, that deck seems fine. Again, Once Upon a Time is something that helps that deck. Um, Attune with Ether, also a previously banned standard card, helps that deck a lot. So I think, I, I think it, it can play a very low land count uh, and very high consistency. So that could be a deck to watch. Uh, is it in Soul or all, all kind of all variants of in Soul have uh, have come back in a fairly big way as well? Nexus, I expected to be more popular, but I haven't really seen it that much. I'm not entirely sure what's keeping it down. I know that blue white is kind of popular now, which obviously uses Teferi, which is pretty tough versus Nexus. Um, I have also started seeing the very my very first Scarab Gods in the format. Uh, which is kind of nice to see. Funny, funny to say that because that card was was fairly despised in standard. But uh, in Pioneer, you're just like, oh, a nice fair five mana card that you just have to play and untap with. Yeah, and there's like great graveyard aid in the format and everything, so it doesn't doesn't feel particularly unfair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing all the same. Been seeing those in Soul decks. Been seeing Scarab Gods pop up every now and then as well. Uh, yeah, and and agreed. Haven't played against that much Nexus. Um, yeah, I kind of wonder how much of that is just down to the fact that people don't really like playing Nexus, so you kind of never see as much of it as you should, even even when the deck is good. Because uh, I have been losing to it, even when I've been playing Control. I think they have game against you, so I, th- I think that deck is in a pretty good place right now, to be honest. Yeah, I've been playing a few leagues with it, and yes, people continue to be. I, I know that I said I would never come back to it, but someone i can't remember i think it was in the last deck dump or in the last ptq uh one of the lists had torrential gear hulk in the main and i really like the look of that for speeding up your clock because it just means you know you you can win your first game very very quickly without uh needing to spend a million turns uh because Mm -hmm. it's so big and also it's so versatile as well because you just flash back any one of your uh any one of your you know good spells um that are in the graveyard such as dig through time or Supreme Will, Cyclonic Rift, stuff like that. Uh, Fog, if, if you really need it. Um, so I've I've picked up the deck again because of that piece of technology, and I've been really, really liking it so far. But uh, yeah, people are still not pleased to play against it. And, uh, you know, you can't blame them, really. But I'm still going to try to play it if it's good. Yep, absolutely. It's one of those things for me at the moment where I've kind of got my reps in, and I'm like, okay, I feel now like I can play it, and I'll probably win, but I just want to explore other decks at the moment, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Al, have you played any further Pioneer? Did you, did you have, has there been any paper Pioneer events? Yes, I, I have played online, but I have played a yeah, another paper event. So I, this was, I, I just decided very last minute to go. Uh, this is on Friday at uh, FNM uh, this, this past weekend. 
Um, so I had a teamer, uh, a great teamer, uh, uh, Marvel at the previous event. Uh, I, th- I, might, I might mention mentioned on, on podcasts before saying that you know, Sunday just always seemed like a, a good option for Marvel because I think having access to you know Bertrand Kay and um, Assassin's Trophy is more important than having a uh, Iron Sight that can get anything. And kind of your red doesn't really give you too much. Uh, I think I like Raskin um, as well. So I, I, I really just threw that together last minute. Um, and I believe I may, may have an absolute balls of uh, sorting that deck because the deck performed terribly. Because uh, do we do, do we just say that um, uh, it's you and Aether counts as a land? There's a lot, lot of this online and playing 20 lands in these decks, which didn't quite make sense to me. When it was in standards, the, the kind of accepted land count was 22. So... I do feel like people definitely at least counted the tune with Ether as like half a land, because uh, really all you needed was your first green source or whatever, and then you were pretty set. Uh, that deck also played Servant of the Conduit as well, though. I don't know if you're still playing Servant of the Conduit, but I think Servant. Yeah, it was. The, you know, it doesn't really it doesn't really hold its weight in this format with one mana mana dorks. Um, I know it has the obviously the added advantage of giving the energy, but I think it's just not. It doesn't hold its weight by itself, and the, the problem then is that you're playing this card. You, like you kind of have to play it for the energy, um, and then you've got this really underpowered card in your deck. So I don't know. So did you say you were playing it? I was, yeah, yeah, and, and I kind of performed exactly the you mentioned. Yeah, it's like I was rarely ramping it out. Um, like a lot of times on turn two, you just want to play your puzzle knot instead, uh, just to get six energy by um, by turn by turn four. Uh, I really want to use the, or I really want to use my energy um, to, to, to ramp out under the spell because uh, I just want to have the yeah, to make sure I have six four six by turn four. Those so in those bills you described with the, with the twenty two lands, which yeah, with twenty two lands of the tune, were were those that were, now are you talking about? Are, are those the the um, the Udomog Marvel decks or the Emerald Marvel decks? Because I felt like since your plan B uh, is to you know hard cast Emerald, um, is you know you kind of want more lands, but if you get your land drops every turn. Uh, it's not really just a matter of getting to four, playing Marvel and spinning it. Just to have an access to this plan B is very, very powerful. And um, so it's something I think we'll just have to revisit and kind of maybe just do some more tweaking and turning. Uh, obviously, the deck was very powerful when it worked. Um, I, I mean, so there's a lot of Emerald turns I took that didn't win me the game immediately, which uh, maybe that says something more about the format than, than anything else. Uh, it was maybe it's blue white control, and I was looking at a hand of uh, so it was free verdicts and fairies. Uh, and I was like, really, very like a dude that would um, you know, cripple my opponent that much. Uh, but then, oh, then I saw a sick line of, sorry, this is Desperate Control. They're playing Castle Octwain. So uh, they had seven cards in hand. Uh, they were on, um, they were, yeah, seven cards in hand. They were on, uh, not already on, they were on uh, 17 life. So uh, they had to ferry, you know, they had five on to ferry and play. They picked up to ferry, uh, activated Castle Octwain, draw a card, uh, deal eight damage to them. Um, and then, uh, when, one tap, then when I untapped the lands, the end of his, at the end of his turn, drew another card uh, from uh, Castle Octwain to deal. Uh, nine damage from and then, Jesus Christ. Uh, and then in, in the discard, so he used to stand to whatever life. Uh, and then in the discard phase, I can just discard two cards and answer Emerald. That's, That's pretty, pretty great. sick. That's pretty yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's obviously the Emerald turns are grateful like that. I, 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 they, uh, one, place, one time I yeah, played against Mirror, uh, it was by on a four quarter Marvel deck. Um, and that was like really just so many back and forth Emerald turns. He plays Emerald and I play Emerald. They're second each other's turns so much. And it, was, it really kind of reminded me of how, how complex those mirrors were. Uh, back in that standard, uh, and how kind of yeah, people can play in the game for a very, very long time because you're just bombarded with so much new information once your opponent reveals their hand and draws a card. Uh, it's so hard to, especially especially in a mirror match like that when you know both players have a lot of cards in hand. 
it's, it could just be very hard to find the the best play. Yeah, it's I still um still think back to that standard when I punted a game by taking my opponent's turn with Emrakul and leaving them with a traverse the oven ball in their hand rather than casting it and just failing to find. That was what that was the game that taught me about failing to find. So uh Oh yeah. Oh no, I thought there there is there is a far better punch you made when um <laughs> you're on four life, you cast Emrakul to your opponent's turn. Uh Emrakul is your, your only creature on board. Uh you kinda of went through their turn, you'll put put the shooter hand away. They had a uh, Noxus Gear Hulk in play. And you're like, yeah, go to combat, attack Noxus Gear Hulk, uh, block with Emrakul, and they're like, oh, no, no, it has menace. So you killed yourself on their turn. Uh, yeah, that was also pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. Um, actually, yeah, that's also another, I suppose I missed me. I made your man. He had like four four mana out. Um, he had no cards in hand, but it was like, no, sorry, he, he's like, he had four, he had six energy. He had no cards in hand, but kind of had like the draw of uh, a marvel himself to beat out. Um, I took his turn to draw anything, so I didn't do anything in his turn, but I should have tapped his two ether hubs. He had two ether hubs in play. I could have just tapped those to um, make him lose your energy. And he ended up drawing the marble and then you know, getting the miracle. That was like, yeah, kind of like, kind of like your traversing the world this play. It's like, this is a very tiny thing you never think of doing uh, on your turn ever. Uh, it's hard to kind of see it in your opponent's turn and uh, take that line uh, so you'll, you'll remove them of any, um, of any, uh, any outs or whatever. Uh, I gotta say, Emrakul hasn't, for me, I haven't seen it too much in this format. It's, uh, I think it seemed a little bit slow, a little bit expensive. Obviously, in the Marvel decks, it's a little bit different, but I haven't been seeing really many of them either, so I just I just haven't come across much Emrakul at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that cause I, I was trying to just, because I was just trying to deck together last minute, I just wanted to find like any kind of sultai list and just copy that, but like, all the sultai lists I found were just like, you know, random person trying to deck together, read their read a post and they're saying you're probably wondering why i'm only playing uh, three aetherworks marvel that's because i only own three of that card <laughs> yeah this is not this is not good information <laughs> uh just having a quick look on scryfall here for replacements at two mana in the aetherworks marvel deck we've got ether meltdown does that interest you actually i i, I like that standard um i think it was like that was for some two drops here or some creatures you just had to answer about the button 3d you know, some like graphics ranger is quite important for and yeah, it's good, it's good against Hardicare and Hardicare and seeing a lot of play in Binary. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Hon- honestly, though, I kind of I always hated having either meltdown in my deck. I loved it, really. <laughs> yeah, I always played that card. It's hard removal for Scrappy Scrooge. Yeah, okay. What about Ether Theorist? Do you know that one? Oh, no, what is this? No, it's a one in a blue for a Vidalcan Rogue, one three. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy counters, and you can tap pay an energy to scry one. Well, that's weird. Is, is there is that is there one that draws a card as well, or is that, is that a different card you're thinking of? Yeah, you're on the team or you're thinking of powers, You're think you're thinking of shield shielded ether thief ether thief, uh, which is one in a blue for an O four Vidalcan with flash, and whenever it blocks, you get an energy, and you can tap pay three energy to draw a card. Yeah, I like that. That card's pretty sick. Yeah. Yes. It just it doesn't really generate energy on its own is the only problem. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, for, what, for sense. what about Clint Steve Siphoner? I actually I, I was playing that um, and I actually didn't like it too much because I felt that because I was playing so few um, kind of value creatures. I mean the creatures I'm, so the creatures you're playing are so I was playing Serpent of Handwood and Rover Refiner and both of those I'm really just, I, all I really care about is just getting the energy from them uh, if they remove and obviously if you remove Rover Refiner with the card you're happy. Uh, whereas I felt like my Glincy Cyphers were, I think on one, on one level, on, on one hand, it's like felt like they're part of a different strategy. I wasn't really all that interested in attacking uh, turn turn three, four, 
And also Thanos almost he, that always has to immediately at removal. And it would be removal that would be uh dead on my opponent's hand otherwise, or removal they'd be forced to use on uh, Rogue Refiner. Yeah, but like it's a very good top deck. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Cards. Yeah. You also you can also go for the blue puzzle knot, which is now, that was one I always hated. <laughs> I never liked that. You play the black puzzle knot. Yeah, you... whole time. Black puzzle knot, that's alright. Yeah, that's true. That wait, yeah. doesn't give you energy, does it? No, maybe not. Oh, it's a good life draw card. That one, that one's just draw a card, lose a life, right? Metal yeah. spinners, metal spinners, puzzle knot, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, draw a card, lose a life. I think, uh, I think at the end we're not going to find any secret busted energy cards that didn't already see play in standard. I think they basically all got figured <laughs> out already a couple years ago. No way. Thriving turtle. <laughs> Don't know about that. People played that, didn't they? People they played that in week one, yeah, or week zero. Uh, before it's all in on the energy. Yeah, I mean, but it turns out one of your first puzzle not was the only card you needed. A dark okay. ritual that gains your life. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, ser- servant of the conduit. It's funny because it was so good in standard. Um, just because it's it's a two-two dork, so you often kind of found yourself, you know, beaten down <laughs> with a servant against like you know like the the blue-red control deck that existed at the time or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think in in just in this this format, it's, it doesn't really. It's not up to snuff. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see Marvel at the top tables of Pioneer anytime soon, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mass definitely. Well, I certainly wasn't at the top table on Friday night. Uh, from probably YouTube due to other errors I made. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that the power level is it's crazy how insanely powerful it was in standard. But I, and even though it is, it's still a very powerful strategy, but there's just so many Emeralds I cast that didn't win the game immediately. And there's lots of games where I got turned for Emeralds and still lost, which like three. Really, Obviously, a small sample size, but um, but uh, it did surprise me quite a lot. Mm. Um, well, I'm currently drooling over this uh, this Sultai Rock list, um, this sort of bunch of plays walkers, so lots of fair value creatures. What, what What's in there? Yeah, uh, so, uh, this is the first one that's pulled up. It's called well, Goldfish Scholar Sultai Control as a uh, Jay Sprint's Prodigy, Scavenger News, Starless Tracker, Kalitas, Massacre, uh, Lee Lasso, Oko, Raska, Gagari Green. This a vital, this a vital force. Um, and some lovely spells. Fail push Totsies from today. Trophy Totterazer. Okay, I played. Uh, I do like Kalatas at the moment because there's like so much, uh, so much aggro, as you said, and a lot of it is mono red. So they, I kind of like Kalatas in the main because they yeah. can't kill it in game one. Game two, obviously, they side in stuff like um, lava coil or or roast or whatever they whatever they happen to have. Um, but I do definitely like Kalatas at the moment. Some did like some way to gain life. I feel is pretty important right now. Obviously, it's yeah, yeah. extremely bad versus uh, versus Nexus. But you have to hope that your uh, disruption gets there. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You plenty of, of uh, disruption. Yeah, thought erasures and uh, Tossies. Yeah, thought erasure. Fine. Actually, that is strange. Yeah, <laughs> that I see it. Uh, yeah, could be fun. We got a few drops. I'm, 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 so four Totsies, two Tarrasia, maybe just a Totsies, six and seven. Or sorry, five, five and six. Yeah, like, yeah, it could be okay, actually. Um, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. But, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a spin, but um, I don't know, as silly as this sounds, I, I've never cast a Jace Prince Prodigy before, and that was, that was like, obviously a very powerful card when I started playing Standard, and, or started playing Magic, really, so it's, it's a card that's always, always associated with, like, being a good player. If you're a good player, Yes, Jade's Prince Prodigy in turn two. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing that for the uh, sentimental value. 
um, because I am a good player now. <laughs> nice. Even though I, I went 1 3 at FNM, but I'm still a good player. I just misspelled my deck. Uh, just make sure you don't activate it when your opponent has Narset in play. Oh, God. <laughs> I would definitely do that without, without realizing. Remember, um, first time I played against Jace from Strategy, I attacked, and my opponent blocked with Jace, and then activated it and turned into a Planeswalker for, for damage. I was like, what? <laughs> this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when your opponent has Narset, you can just, you know, do your Jace on their turn. It's fine. True, true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> can't wait until I cast a Jace on turn two next time and think about myself being a good player. Um, <laughs> All right, I, I don't know if I've done it before where I, um, I was playing against Eamon Jones, who we mentioned on the podcast earlier, and uh, I was I had um, Infinite Obliteration on my sideboard, um, obviously for Ulamog decks at the time. Um, I brought that in, and then uh, he's playing Jessica Black, Black, brought it in. I cast it and named Jace for his prodigy <laughs> on turn three. He's like, oh, okay. Real the sand didn't have one, and um, took them all out. Was I took them all out of his library, thinking thinking I was very smart, uh, and obviously I still lost. And then afterwards, he asked me why I brought an ultimate uh, for the generation and um, and named Jace, and I said, well, because it's a fifty euro card, of course. <laughs> Reduce the value of your death by two hundred to make it even. <laughs> easy, easy play. <laughs> that's, that's when I learned how to play cards like that properly. <laughs> okay, well, I was playing a Jace deck the other day, and it was absolutely terrible. Uh, oh no! Yeah. Was it like this? It was. It was. Uh, it was kind of similar, actually. It was. It was the from the latest deck dump. It was the Grixis Arcanist, which is like I think it's like the second in the list here, or something like that. Yeah, uh, second in the list on the on the Wizards homepage or on the Wizards page of of deck lists. So it's like a couple of Chandra, Royal Scions, Dreadward Arcanist, one uh, one Murderous Rider. I changed that to Hero's Downfall. Uh, two Jace, four Young Pyromancer. Uh, you've got uh, Thoughtseize, Treasure Cruise, Dreadbore, Fatal Push, Cake Command, Wild Slash, uh, stuff like that. And yeah, the deck was just so bad. I think I was I, I went O three drop with it in the in the league. Just couldn't win against anything. It was just so bad. Um, even in because I, I was like I've seen so many aggro decks. This has to be reasonable. Um. But again, the format's just so wide open, and I don't think I've really ever played against an aggro deck. But then, even even in that situation, you know, if your opponent plays like Hazaret or something, you're screwed. Uh, I played against the streamer who we we have mentioned before, um, Holy Diva Daniela Diaz, and I tuned into her stream just after the match. She absolutely destroyed me. She was playing Mono Red Devotion, and uh, she was like, uh, "Doesn't matter what it is. Every time that there's a new format." Some people will just go and look at the deck list, dump, see a Grixis, a terrible, terrible Grixis pile, and say, "Oh yeah, that's for me. That looks so sweet. I'm playing that." And I had to admit that she had me dead to rights. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> so true. It's, yeah. you, you just can't. You can't not do it, can you? Grixis is just so alluring yeah. and always yeah. so terrible. Exactly. Yeah. So we can go back to my term of work because I know my um. Uh, in my pre-tournament rant uh, before the GP, I was very high in Grixis, and I was aware that uh, I could be falling into the classic, the classic Grixis trap of uh, thinking this Grixis, this is cool because the colors look nice together. Uh, but um, uh, fortunately, I, I broke out of that trap. I played a good deck, but um, yeah, I, 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 I'm de- I fall victim to this all the time. I see the word Grixis, I see the word spells to put together. And I'm like, yep, this is a deck for me. I mean, it just has to be good. All the cards are so good. You know, maybe maybe this was Nicole Bolas' uh, ultimate plan uh, to have people play bad Grixis decks for eternity. Yeah. 
Maybe so. I was thinking, man, there's a lot of boluses in the format now for dark intimations. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't tempt me. This might be the time. Oh my god. Uh recently, so I've been playing um I've been playing a bunch of different decks. I played I played a good bit of blue-white control, which I think is decent in the format, as a, as I mentioned earlier. Um pretty pretty much what you'd imagine, not playing any Sphinx's revs, just a couple of dig through times, winning with Teferi Hero of Dominaria and Lyra out of the board. Pretty pretty standard list. Uh, I think that deck is pretty good. I said the only surprisingly good card for me in it was uh Castle Ardenvale, the White Castle, which I yeah, is just a lot better than I thought it would be. Like there's, you have you have so many planes cards that like it's it's very very rarely a downside. Like very rarely comes in tapped or anything like that. So it's basically just free. And the one one jump blockers for essentially five mana is actually a big deal. And obviously sometimes it could it could turn out to be a win condition as well. But that hasn't happened happened for me. But it has effectively gained me like a lot of life. Uh, it's, it's like the mana cost really isn't that high for mana on top to make a one one. It's it's the rate is actually very very good I think. So so that card's been great. Um, and then apart from that, uh, the, recently just last night I played a couple leagues with black green hardened scales. Uh, that deck deck seems super super strong to me. Um, pro- probably a lot of that comes down to once upon a time because your combo is so creature based. You can find winding constrictor. You can find a ballista. You can find one of the one drops uh you know early um i yeah i think that that deck benefits really really heavily from having the card selection on turn one um and it's just it's just very very powerful like they they need a lot of interaction to stop you running away with the game um obviously runs into the kind of combo creature combo sideboard problem where it's kind of hard to board more than a couple cards without making your combo very ineffective so that's that's the only thing i don't like is maybe your sideboard options are a bit weak with the deck but definitely for a game one deck it's super super strong feels you know a little bit like affinity or whatever yeah it seems very sweet uh there's like a few different builds of the deck right there's like steel overseer builds and stuff like that yeah so i wasn't playing the steel overseer i was playing just kind of a like a more mid-rangey version i guess like uh what's the difference between my version and this version uh, yeah i just had this for yeah so the steel over version overseer version is running fewer nisses so i was just running just four nisses um so you're talking nissa voice of zendikar nissa voice of zendikar yeah it's just a deck the, the card is just absolutely unbelievable in the deck to be honest i, I would not leave home without it uh, obviously it's fairly ridiculous um what else? I can actually see the differences here looking at this other list. They're playing a lot more um, like utility lands. Like I'm seeing the lists here playing Seagate Wreckage, Ruins of Orin Reef, Karn's Bastion. The the list I was running didn't have any of that. It was just like just a super smooth uh, like 21, 22 land mana base. I think it's 22. Um, no utility lands. Just just trying to be as fast at the gate as possible and just, and just not slip up on mana because... Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe even some of those utility lands could be sideboard cards, because that's something you could side into in in grindier games without breaking up your combo if you if you wanted to swap out lands for utility lands or something like that. That, that actually might be a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, this version doesn't have the one drops. That's the difference. This version doesn't have Pell Collector or Experiment 1, which were both four offs that I was running. Oh, okay. So, like, is pretty much the whole creature base, they're, they're all artifacts, basically, in that deck, apart from... When you can start from the snake and Rishkar, yeah. Okay. It's just all artifacts, yeah. Yeah. And then does it have additional one mana artifacts because of that? Or um it's playing uh most of the lists are playing like um animation module. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 
uh which yeah so this is it's kind of a different way to take the deck you know what i mean uh, i kind of liked the the aggro starts you get with the one drop green creatures like they're very often uh like you know just attacking with a three three on turn two if you play a winding constrictor on turn two like after playing one of those on turn one or you can just play an early hardened scales and then you can drop you know multiple one drops into something that triggers the evolve at the same time and you just get an absolute insane amount of damage off that so i quite like that and the and the regenerate on the experiment one is quite nice as well like there's not too many cards with regenerate in the format um and it is just a very useful ability and there's also a couple little tricks you can do with it like if you say if you have like three scales effects in play uh and you have like a you know like a like a four four um uh, a four four experiment one you can regenerate it take the counters off play a four four like four four uh stone coil serpent or something like that and then that will re-trigger the experiment one four times and it'll end up as a five five with a regenerate shield so it's like free counter basically yeah that is pretty sweet oh yes yes I just think it's really cool that like it's such a specific deck built around like Winding Constrictor and Hardened Scale, such very specific cards, but they're, yet there's still two distinct ways to build it. And I, I feel that as well with um, some of the other decks in the format, like In Soul and like Mono Red. There's, it seems like there's about seven different ways to, to build Mono Red if you wanted to do that. Uh, I just feel like with almost every deck in the format, there's, there's at least two you know seemingly viable ways to build it. Yeah, definitely. It's really cool. Obviously, part of that is we're just seeing results of leagues and, you know, the weekend challenges and a couple of PTQs so far. So we're not really seeing, you know, the the top pros get their hands in the format and really try to tune lists. But that's going to be the way it is for like a long time. Like there's not going to be a PT for, for this format for quite a while, right? So I think it's just going to be wide open for quite a long time, which is awesome. Yep. Um, so obviously, once again, bans are going to be on the table potentially tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is Monday, recording this on Sunday, Sunday night for me. And uh, Monday afternoon bans, are you expecting anything Anything on your radar? I don't think so. Um, I think the format is, has looked pretty good this week. Like, again, the only thing is like, like I'm, I'm kind of even shying away from this idea now that you need to ban Dig Through Time because it's just see, seeming like, a, like it's, not, it's not actually that big of a problem. Maybe Nexus is the biggest problem deck. If you if if you have dig through time in the format like that kind of exploits it the best I think but we're not as you said we're not really seeing that dominate at the moment so no I don't, I, I don't really think anything needs to be banned this week yeah yeah I, I'd agree um I'd like to see Nexus banned at some point because I guess just so so many things right that card are are, are a mistake um but like yeah, I think right now yeah I feel like the format well, the format is probably still just kind of adapting to to the Healy ban or to the yeah to the, the ban spell there and um and uh, leyline ban last week so. It's like it's, it's still in flux, it's still building, it's still changing, which is obviously good. Um, it's healthy. Uh, it continues to be like this. Yeah, hopefully, to be no more bands. Yeah, I can see. I can see that. Um, I think maybe yeah, a week off without bands. Uh, we did have a pioneer challenge again this weekend, right? Do, do you guys know who did well in that? I don't. Um, yeah, pretty results up so far. Results I don't think are up yet. Uh, they should be on the website, right? I think they're not on MTG Goldfish yet. I'll have a look. Mm, no, looks like they haven't gone up yet. Yeah, no, no PTQ results yet. Unless someone posted them on the Reddit, I'll check there. Yeah, I think they're hiding something. I think uh, someone has someone has finally broken the uh, <laughs> right monster. I hope so. That card is sweet. Yeah. No, no one's posted them on the Reddit either. It doesn't look like. Yeah, I think maybe if 
we had played in in the challenge then we might have been able to kind of piece together the top eight like we did last week but uh yeah i think uh we don't quite have enough information this week yeah well the ptq uh was on yesterday the challenge is on right now i think oh okay right um yes ptq apologies um yeah i guess we'll we'll find out next week yeah indeed same by time same by channel I, I did see a few tweets of people tweeting, uh, tweeting their decks and, you know, people saying that they lost to Nexus a few times. So it's, again, you know, it, it is possible that something out of Nexus could be banned. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the format seems to be in a reasonable place. And the only thing that would, I, I feel at the moment, the only thing that would make Wizards take action is if they're seeing some kind of data on their end uh, of what's doing really, really well in leagues that we're not aware of. Um so I think it should be fine. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we talk about standard? Oh, yeah. Our favorite subject. We shall. Yes. So Mythic Championship underway at the moment. Um, what do we have in terms of the deck list? So, yeah, ba- basically just stats, you know. Uh, this has been a momentous Mythic Championship for the statistics. Uh, it's going to go down in history as possibly one of the most highly dominated Mythic Championships by you know one one card or one archetype, you could say. Basically, food decks yeah. were at 69% of the meta. I guessed 80%. Kieran, you guessed 70%, I think. Uh, I think you're you're the winner there. Nice. Nice. 69%. That's a sex number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, oh my God. Uh, some of the other statistics from here. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, basically, basically, food decks all had positive win rates throughout the whole tournament, and non-food decks across the board had sub-50% win rates. So I've, I don't think I've ever seen statistics like this in the whole time that I've been playing Magic. Yeah, same here. I mean, like Cobblade Error or whatever, right, was like... Everyone knew is is this dominant, and historically, it's remembered as such. But was was there a Pro Tour where it had six copies in the top eight? Uh, I know there was like a GP where it was like every deck in the top eight. I think was a was a Cobblade deck. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That was slightly before my time, so I never really dug into the results from that time. Uh, in terms of like numbers at a top eight, we have seen this before in somewhat recent years. I think it was Pro Tour Ether Revolt. I want to say had six of eight. Martyr vehicles in the top eight, so oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, similar similar numbers in the top eight have happened before, but I don't think any similar win rates have happened before or similar metagame share. Like for it to be far and away the most represented deck, and then also to have the greatest win rates in like non mirrors is just absolutely insane. And it, I think it points to a very clear need for a ban. So that's going to be next week. <laughs> we all have one more week of Oko. To, to deal with and then uh then we'll be free uh personally i think that they should and also that they will ban other cards because if you also look at this the statistics on some of the other stuff uh i mean there were more breeding pools played in the tournament than mountains plains and swamps was it yeah mountains plains and swamps combined um there were more main deck noxious grasps than I can't remember what, what the card it was, but there was a hell of a lot of main deck Noxious Grasps. Um, yeah, the, the format is massively tilted towards green. I think I think they should get rid of Oko and Goose and Once Upon a Time. I think the food stuff would be okay without Oko. Like, I think Goose plus Wolf 
is like a fine power level. I don't know. I think they need to ban yeah. two. I think, I think they need to ban two cards. So I, I I think they need to like they should they really really need to ban two cards. And I'm yeah I'm suggesting three uh, <laughs> to take it down that much. Um, they could also maybe ban like Oko and Nissa. But I think if you ban Goose, then you don't need to ban Nissa. I hate Nissa. I hate that card yeah. design. I would like to see that go just because I hate the card. But yeah, I don't know if it is the, the card you need to ban as such. Yeah, yeah, Once Upon a Time is obviously a mistake of a card. I don't know if they're going to want to ban it because it's like innocuous and it's another card from the new set. I could I could see them taking out Nissa but like for financial considerations because it's an it's a now a slightly older card, even though it's only from a couple sets ago. But also it's it's only a rare, right? It's not the, not a mythic. Yeah even though I presume it's still quite expensive. But yeah, so like Oko is, is definitely gone. That's like, that's for sure happening. Do you, do you think yeah, I could see Once Upon a Time. I could see Veil of Summer being a possible hit, although I'm not sure if that's the route they want to go down either. I think that card was uh, maybe not looked at quite closely enough in development and, and is is probably just too strong for standard. Yeah. Yeah, it's so dumb. Yeah, I definitely agree with, with uh, and just, I think I think I feel like Nissa just dominates the game far more than um, like a uh, dominate Dominates the game and ends game, ends game more quickly and reshapes the game quicker than Oko would. I mean, like Oko, you know, Oko there's at least, you know, it's on the board, has a lot of loyalty. Um, in the first turn, it's only making food or making a tree tree. Uh, there's still a little bit, you know, you can still take to the board, you can still fight back. Uh, but I think just Nissa just coming down, uh, even if it comes, if it comes down turn early, just that Nissa just generates so much value. And uh, if the, if your opponent manages to untap when Nissa doesn't play, uh, so many times the game is just over. Yeah, maybe Nissa does need to go. The card is so dumb. Yeah, like, it would be crazy to suggest they take out Nissa and leave an Oko. If if uh, these lists didn't have Nissa at all, would it be too? Would, would would it still be this much of a problem? I mean, it would just be a different Oko deck that would be the best deck. I think that card is just is just on another level. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think Oko is just, and also just the public outcry against Oko is just something they can't ignore at this point. I think even if they found some other galactic brain strategy to make the format better, they just have to get rid of Oko just because people would be so pissed off if they didn't at this point. Yeah, yeah. Reading in, there's a tweet here by uh, Riding Knight. So 69% of the field is playing Oko. So, and then to add to that, that means a minimum of 44% of all matches played will be Oko mirrors. Oh my God. And only 11% of matches will have zero copies of Oko. <laughs> Dear God. Yeah, they. <laughs> I didn't really watch too much of the coverage over the weekend because uh, it was pretty busy this weekend. But they, uh, anytime that they had the opportunity <laughs> to watch. A non-Oko game. They were all about it. Uh, they were very into showing Gregor Kowalski, I feel like, who was playing a Jeskai Cavalier Fires deck, uh, which is fun to watch as well. So, Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just so funny. And poor poor coverage, basically. They had to lean into it. You know, they had to just be like, yeah, everything's a 3-3 elk. <laughs> yeah, that's a specific roach. I think it's, uh, it's hard to just ignore it. Uh, I guess they ignore, ignore it when they can, but uh, as, obviously as the tournament progresses, there's going to be fewer and fewer uh, non-local matches to look at. They've even leaned into it on Arena, arena with the uh, with their... So they're, they're doing these events uh, called the Festival of the Fae, themed around... Uh, uh, they're, they're the way to get the, uh, the the adventure, the storybook special frames for, the, for those cards on Arena, and they're like quite cheap events where you, you can't fail out of them. You, you don't, even if you lose a game, you, you know, you don't, you don't get uh, kicked out of the event to have to rebuy. You just buy in once and then you just play until you get that number of wins. And basically it's a, it's a Momir variant, but uh, they have taken Momir's uh, art 
and they've stuck an elk, uh, a picture of an elk on his face. And uh, <laughs> the event is called Oko's Madness. And it's a, yeah, it's a variant of Om- Om- uh, Momir where you play, uh, you pay one mana and discard a card to make uh, a, cop- a, a token of any card that's in the database, which is not only just standard. Uh, if you remember last time they, they had Momir, they, they added a few kind of interesting creatures from Magic's history, like the, uh, I think they, they added the Bringers, like the Bringer of the Blue Dawn and stuff like that. And yeah, they added like Crystal Brand and stuff. Yeah. I think Atarka. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I can't remember what they, what, what are they called? It's, it's a cycle as well, a big cycle uh, that does, that triggers on your upkeep. Like the red one does three damage to anything on your upkeep. The black one is lose, uh, lose a life draw card on the upkeep. I can't remember the name of the cycle. But anyway, they added all those cards. And basically, yeah, you pay one mana, just one mana. You don't have to do, you don't have to pay X mana. You just pay one and you get a 3-3 token of one of those cards. Um, it's kind of fun to play because you only have to pay one mana. So there's kind of like a, uh, a bit of a, a, bit of a uh, mind games to it, I suppose. Uh, just... Make sure you have more three threes than your opponent, and hope you get some flyers. And there's a few, yeah. There's a few creatures that bounce as well, so it's a similar thing. But I, you know, the 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 particulars of the of the format are not that interesting. It's you know, it's fun to play for for casual casual games. But uh, just the fact that they've leaned into the whole three three elk thing, everything is an elk, is uh, kind of interesting to me. I guess it's so bad. The situation is so bad that they just kind of have to laugh at it. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah, it's one of the worst states I've seen Magic in. It's very funny. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely music. Yeah. Uh, how did that work out for you, Al, at the uh, at the Grand Prix last weekend? Yeah, I got so my last update. Um, yeah, so I, I was very high in Grixis Fires because I suppose a lot of the kind of Grixis traps you kind of mentioned earlier on uh, of like I want to play a cool deck. I was playing a bunch of it on nine. I was doing quite well with it. Um, my run rate I was doing very well on it on a Tuesday before I left. On the Wednesday, my run rate declined, but I still stayed on it. Uh, I decided that I'd bring it to uh, the MC on Friday. Oh, sorry, the PT, the PTQ on Friday, um, on Friday for GP uh, over in Lyon. And um, I said, here, if I, if I go positive here, I'll play it. If I don't go positive, I'll I'll switch to the um, result die. Um, and I did not go positive. I did very poorly with it. Uh, I went, I, went, I guess I went, I went 3 3. Um, but I decided that it was time to kill my darlings and unsleeve my Grixis Fires and all my Planeswalkers and my Outer Spells. Um, even though then it was like, his deck was so cool. It was like somebody got somebody sick wins just by you know fires out. You just cast uh, Nicole Bolus. Um, yeah, you just cast Nicole Bolus and uh, oh, it's called uh, Plain Wise Celebration on the same turn and win the game immediately from like an empty from from an empty board. <laughs> I've won plenty of games like that just like from being very very far behind. It was quite wonderful. Uh, but I felt like it was just very inconsistent. The mana was obviously an issue. Uh, I was just taking a lot of shocks early game uh, and even though. Even though these Sultai games, these Sultai decks aren't quite aggressive. They, once they have even anything remotely close to a fast start, uh, it was quite hard to catch up. Um, even though you can, as uh, well, as the game goes on, where it's very easy for a big fire deck to dominate, take over the game, uh, but a lot of times you just, you just lose quite early. So, um, uh, yes, yeah, so I did not do well on the on on the um, at the BT at the BTQ. So, uh, on for the main event, yeah, I seemed up a uh, Sultai Sultai list, Sultai food list. Um, uh, Liam O'Donnell, well, I'll say, I'll say no, Liam, uh, listener to the show, uh, he, he provided me with a list, which I, I like very much. Uh, this was playing Ugin at the top end. I think Ugin was actually just very great all weekend because, uh, you know, <laughs> basically it was great for super reasons in terms of 
uh, it can't get grasped and uh, it can't get Vela submerged, uh, which was you know, quite important either when I was playing Ugin or when Ugin was played against me. Um, also, it works very well with the uh, with Braska. Uh, you know, just like attacking, make, making a making making a manifest uh, card and, and, and attacking it to Braska is pretty good. Um, so I felt like the deck performed well. Uh, I lost, so it, I guess, yeah, I'm going to get my, my breakdown of rounds very quickly. I played against of so I had a, a buy round one. I played against yeah, I yeah, buy round one. Uh, round two played against Simic, uh, Simic Food. Um, I won that. Uh, round two played a mirror. So the mirror was um, so round three played against mirror. Uh, so see, I, I I played a little bit of this deck before, but I hadn't played many mirrors. But then kind of during this round, I realised that you know navigating the the large war stage was something I was quite good at. Uh, this ended up going to time and it ended up being a draw, uh, which obviously is kind of very it's called quite good into um, to a loss in in day one of GP. I was considering, um, you know, asking my opponent to concede or conceding myself, but we were just starting game three. It was quite hard to you know, determine who was ahead. Um, then I, so I, initially I was thinking that I would, I should have conceded that spot and just going to lose a bracket and then, you know, try, try to go out again. But then I started thinking that it's, like, it's not necessarily a control deck. And I felt like my build was uh, quite favored in the mirror. And I knew that if I went into the draw bracket, uh, one, I wouldn't play against control decks, I was playing against more mirrors because just, there's so much of the field of play. Um and I feel like you know, those the big board states in the mirror matches are something that like that will give me an opportunity to outplay my, to outplay my opponent uh, rather than you know just going up against that matchup. Yeah, so I decided to take the draw, uh, and then I just started winning, you know, just round after round after that in the draw bracket, uh, playing nothing, playing against nothing but uh, Sultan mirrors. Uh, I think the very first round I played in the in, in the draw bracket, uh, I had two Noxious Grass in my opening hand, which like you start kind of thinking, oh, you know, this could be good, this could be great, this could be bad, it could be an automatic one against five uh, if I keep it. Uh, but um, I decided to keep it because I was like, well, it's likely my opponent's on Sultai for the draw bracket, and he was, and I destroyed him. So that was, and that was quite good. So, uh, yeah, so obviously I was only able to lose. I only had, um, you know, I, I, I had a loss against, at this point, you know, because it was because it was a draw. Uh, I played against a, um, played against one player. He was, so I, I think, around four, and five, sorry, around five. Uh, I was kind of quite, I was quite high up in the tables at this point. Uh, I played against a, who I think it was a Polish kind of camera was it was a Polish player from Axion Now. It's like, you know, when you sit down against a European GP and your opponent has the Axion uh, gear, uh, it's like, oh, this, this could be this could be a good player. And in this case he was and he destroyed me. Um then following around play against another Axion player, it's like, oh no, here we go again. But this time I destroyed him. It was great. And then in, nice. in this round, this was, again, this is another mirror, it was just all mirrors all the time. Uh, in this round, I cast on turn, I guess right, I think on turn four, I cast Nissa and Braska. It was disgusting. Jesus, yeah, yeah, that was two two geese out or something. It was God. I think what was it? My my my. I'm sure get this right. It was I goose and uh, okay, goose and um, you know, druid. Uh, so then on turn turn four, I had that in four lands. I make brass. I could play. I played. Um, yeah, played as a uh, keep one land on top, on top second land, and uh, nice. yeah, make a make a brass. Uh, so that was that was that was great. Um, so then, yeah, so I I, so I I I take one last one draw at this point. I was going through winning every round, uh, then I ended up losing my winning in. But I suppose I was in a pretty active position because now it's like if I if I if I make it on you know X one one, I'll be ahead of all the X twos that make it to day two. So kind of that draw will kind of you know benefit me. Uh, and there's not I mean, obviously I, I lost around, but also you know when we take a draw, you can still you can still get in on uh, with three draws and no losses. Um, but uh, anyway, I in my last round I played against um, I played against it was like a what was it? It was like a black green. A black green adventure deck, but it wasn't. So I had one of the keeper. It was one of a whole load of knights and lucky clover. 
So I ended up losing to uh, an opponent playing the, uh, well, what's it called? You know, the, the one mana spell that drains one of the knights happen play. Smitten Swordmaster. Yeah, yeah. So whatever his sword was called. Uh, so I lost to that, which was which felt bad because I guess it was that's kind of deck that you know, it was it was harder for me to interact with because you know look at so many black creatures, obviously not scratches and kill black creatures. Uh, I didn't have any ways to interact with the uh, artifact. Um so I was like controlling the game, kind of you know, gaining control of the game, but then uh it was just very, very easy for him to just cast two of those spells, get two copies of each, and then uh you know, drain me for for a lot of mana. Uh, I did make a misplay in terms of I missed one opportunity to make uh, food at the end of turn with a goose, which I think like would have bought me turn, which obviously was a mistake. Um, uh, it was a punt and it would have bought me turn where did not like would have converted that into a win. Uh, I don't know, it was very close, but I was kind of you know, I kind of finished that match. Uh, having lost, now knocked out and thinking, oh god, I could have I, I, I should have made that food. Uh, I could have could have been a different outcome, or maybe not. That's my GP experience. Yeah, that's kind of tough look. It sounds like you obviously played extremely well in the mirrors um and then just that you know that particular matchup just didn't quite go your way um opponent with the with the nutra with the lucky clovers there also i will buy you a foil showcase smitten sword master if you can tell me the name of the spell that drains on the smitten sword master oh god is it um is it something favor what it's called yes it is a favor. Oh god! Oh my god! I mean, I'll just guess. Uh, Spitting sword master is this, is it love's favor or knight's favor? No, it is not. Uh, what is it? Curry favor. Curry favor. Ah, well, I'm a big fan of my curry favors. Yeah, that's when you're when you're mate. Uh, uh, when you go to the to the local Chinese restaurant with your mate after a night of drinking, you get a curry favor. <laughs> it's a uh, 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 yeah. After you you fail in your in your in your attempt to find love. And yeah, you end up going back to the Chinese after the uh, <laughs> after the tree one after the bump. Um, but yeah, so then I, I, I was happy to list. Uh, I felt like I did, yeah, like I said, I felt like I did play well in the mirror, so I was ready to go, raring to go for another PTQ at the end um, on on a Sunday, rather. Um, and uh, in this PTQ, I think I lost round one to the mirror. I won round two, and then round three. Um, obviously, these PTQs are very, very unforgiving. That you know, even with X one, it's quite hard to to top eight. Um, because it's like it's capped at six rounds, but it could be just there's you know, still a lot of players. Um, then round three, I was paired against Dave Murphy, uh, Irish uh, Irish streamer extraordinaire, and the, the champ, player, who was the national, the champ, champ. national champion. That's probably the better title from the national champion. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was paired against him. We got a great photograph uh, that was posted on this is Irish Magic of of all the both of us being you know, extremely serious uh, in 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 a particular way. That, that, that was actually the turn where I was about to lose the match. Uh, I was trying to find you know trying to find my outs. But it kind of most most of our we're just kind of laughing and joking, uh, trick a match. Uh, he was playing. He played a pretty. He, he was playing black green energy, black, black green Golgari adventure deck, uh, which I think was very well positioned and quite good for the weekend. Uh, he was quite unlucky with it in a lot of rounds, but um, it was definitely very good. Obviously, very good against me in this match. Uh, but we were just like laughing and joking away through the match. Uh, he cast a. Uh, this was, there was a joke he was talking about. He wanted to make all week, where he cast. Uh, he had um cast Garrick. He had like the special, you know, the the, the showcase version of the full the full art version of Garrick. Um I mean they were all like very serious. At this point, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to lose here. He makes Garrick. Um I say resolves, he goes, you know, we're all you know, see very, very straight face serious going back and forth. He goes, make two, make two wolf tokens. And I'm like, yes. Uh, he gets he gets his uh, wolf tokens, he picks one up and says, This one's name this one's name is Galco. It's Hebrew for kindness. This one, his name is Chancellor. I think there's a ha- I think there's a chance he may be a trained wolf or something like that. Uh, which is which is a quote from 
It's called from Separatists, but I don't remember that being in the movie Separatists. Have you seen Separatists? I think I, I, we saw we saw the YouTube video uh, video of it afterwards. I think this is actually a deleted scene from Separatists, so it's a extremely esoteric uh, Will, Will Ferrell <laughs> reference. <laughs> it's like not only is it, is it a single line from a movie, which is quite hilarious, um, but uh, it's a line from a deleted scene of a movie. Uh, so that was, kind of, was a great way for attention. Um, but, uh, yeah, he ended up winning uh, that match. But um, unfortunately, he did not win. He did not go on to win uh, the BTQ. Oh, that's a shame. What a waste. Exactly, exactly. This is my BT Leon experience. All right. Well, that sounds good. Will we, uh, will we round off with a, just a quick look at the top eight decks? They're pretty homogenous, but... Sure thing. Yeah, I think we get through them very quickly. Uh, not top eight from the... From the GP top eight from the from the ongoing Mythic Championship. Um, yeah. Right. So in first place, I think this this list is in order. So in first place, we've got Austin Bursevich on Sultai Food. Second place, Louis Samuel Del Tour Sultai Food. Uh, third place, Ili Cassis Golgari Adventure. Uh, fourth, Andrew Cunio on Selesny Adventure. Fifth, Paolo Vitor Damodorosa on Simic Food. Sixth, Oscar Christensen on Sultai Food. Uh, seventh, Andre Strasky on Simic Food, and eighth, Sebastian Pozzo on Simic Food. So we've got three Simic Food, three Sultai Food, uh, a Selesnya Adventure, and a Golgari Adventure. So I think maybe start with the Simic Food because it's like the basic kind of list. Um, so between PV and Andre Strasky's list, there's not a huge amount of difference. Um, PV, so they've all got you know the, the basic package. Uh, PV has one fewer land, so he's on 25 land, whereas Andre is on 26 land. Uh, PV has three brazen borrowers, whereas Andre has uh, no brazen borrowers. In the, oh no, sorry, he has two brazen borrowers, two brazen borrowers in the main. Uh, Andre has three wicked wolf, and Paolo has four. Andre three Nissa as well. Three, yeah, three Nissa. Two mass manipulation is in both decks, and then. Andre has four Ether Gusts, uh, whereas Paolo has only two Ether Gusts. On balance, I think I like I think I like PV's list more because I just can't get behind three Nissa, three Wicked Wolf. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Um, I guess the four Aether Gust is just like hedging for losing the die roll. In which case, having access to the Ether Ghost is so much more important uh, to stop your opponent casting Nissa, which would put you on the back foot so heavily. It's the only thing I could think. Yeah, I mean, again, looking at Andre's list here, he does have the fourth Nissa and the fourth Wicked Wolf in the sideboard. So maybe he's just like maybe he found out that this is like the optimal the optimal configuration against like the Sultai food decks or the Mirror, and just said, right, I'm just going to pre sideboard against them, and I'll just bring in the Nissa and the Wicked Wolf every other match that I don't play against the Mirror. Yep, could be. Yeah. He's also got one Fable Passage and two Castle Vantress, whereas Paolo has only one Castle Vantress. Uh, in terms of the sideboard, four Veil of Summer, two Voracious Hydra. Uh, both decks share one Gadwick the Wizened. How do you guys feel about that? That seems to be kind of a mirror breaker in the in these lists. Yeah, yeah I, don't I don't know. I haven't played it. It's it's a weird one. <laughs> I mean, it seem, it kind of seems like a fifth hydroid crisis because you, you don't really have all that many blue spells right so you're not going to be using it to tap down the opponent's stuff all that much yeah i, I don't know um like you know for comparison i was playing gracious hydra in the main uh and at the, at the gp and that was always very good uh, i felt that's quite important to the mirror for 
but sometimes you can just you know, eat uh eat, you know, cheaply eat a um you know, manadork or uh and all of them also just be awake condition in itself. Um yeah I kind of maybe prefer uh, I'm prefer that over that. I'm kinda of into the the voracious hydra, uh to be honest. I think think it is decent, especially if you're expecting a lot of adventure decks. It's a pretty good way to pick off the, the innkeeper, you know, somewhat early. Like if you get a if you go first and you have a goose, um and then they play an, an innkeeper, you can just kill the you can kill the innkeeper straight away if you have the voracious hydra in your hand. It's kinda of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other Simic food deck here was Sebastian Pozzo. Slightly more traditional build here uh, for Aethergust as well. No Mass Manip in the main. Four Brazen Borrower. This one is, seems to be more tempo-y, more get you dead in the air. Uh, sideboard, no Gadwick or anything like that. It has two Crawl Harpooner and only three Vela Summer. Don't know how I feel about that. I think I'm into four. Yeah, Vela Summer's just busted. Just don't leave yeah. home without four, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have to be four. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Sultai food. Oscar Christensen, the spice in his list is two casualties of war in the main deck and one Assassin's Trophy. And oh, he has one Castle Lochtwain. I think, think I like that. I gotta say, casualties of war has been pretty monstrous every time I've seen someone cast it all weekend from, from the matches I've seen. It's just been just an absolute blowout every time on the boards that end up happening in these these long mirrors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think like, casualties of war was something I, I was considering for my own list, but... Um... I think it's it, it being countered by Vela Summer, so something that made me afraid to, to, to play it. Yeah, that's pretty it's, gross. It, it, it does best in against it does it does best in matchups that are bringing in Vela Summer. At the same time, like we see it here in in uh, in Oscar Christensen's list, and it is also actually in Louis Samuel Tour's list as well. Two casualties of war in the main deck, and we see them both in the main and. Just from looking through a lot of the other deck lists, I don't really see a lot of these Sultai or Simic food decks with Vela Summer in the in the main. So maybe you just side it out every time. You you just play it as a yeah, deck, yeah. as a way to win game. That's possible. And then just side yeah. it out every time in the mirror. And yeah, I got to imagine all these decks the top eight are basically almost a hundred percent pre-boarded for the mirror, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so, I yeah, still, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's all. Well, on the Friday PTQ, I still got um, I still got uh. My the game one turned to uh, Todd Razor, Vela Summer, uh, in well, by, by main deck, Vela Summer in a in a, in a sold out list. So, I mean, it's like, even though, yeah, even though these have it, I say, certainly, I'm, sure, I'm sure there was certainly people at, the, at this event uh, running some number of uh, main deck Vela Summer, which obviously I absolutely hate, but that's what, that's what people are doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it, def- it definitely did happen. Like, it was, must be somewhere in those lists. I'm not going to go through all the deck lists yeah. to find it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure it, I'm sure it's there. Yeah, yeah. All right, so nothing too out of the ordinary in first place after Swiss. Austin Bursovich, his list. He has two Vraska Golgari Queen, which was kind of standard at that point, um, or is kind of standard. And he has one Liliana Dreadhorde General, which is a bit of spice, I guess. And then sideboard again, all these decks, very similar sideboards. We're seeing either ghosts, duresses, the sameful strokes, negates. I do like in the uh, the Simic food lists, uh, like PV and Andre, go, have gone more towards negate, which we haven't seen in, in quite a while. Um, I think it's just, I think that's just a, a decent card. Like if you're, uh, if people are playing all these, all these trumps, trump cards that are, uh, that are instants and sorceries and even planeswalkers, I think negate is in a pretty good place. Obviously Vela Summer. <laughs> It's not great in that situation, but uh, I think Negate is pretty solid. A lot of people were playing Disdainful Stroke, but I honestly, 
I kind of feel like negate is pretty much just better. Like when you already have Ether Gust in the main to deal with like your Wicked Wolves, uh, I think having negate the flexibility of negate then is is pretty decent. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think I mind either. Like you can uh, disdainful stroke a crisis or whatever as well. It's a bit of a desperation move, but you know sometimes you got to do it. But yeah, I could I could see either way. I think they're both decent choices. Yeah. Oh, but. Yeah, do you know when he can't the same stroke crisis? Uh, this is a play I made when uh, I had um I lost repeat speeds to my side for some matchups, and uh, in one game I cast uh, crisis for x equals one in order to attack for lethal with my lost repeat. The same stroke does nothing there. <laughs> oh boy, play. Yeah, plays. All right, Eli Cassis on Golgari Adventure. Um, interesting take on Golgari Adventure here. Two Liliana Dreadhorde General the main. Uh, some of the numbers, a little bit funny. Three Paradise Druid. Um, two Once Upon a Time. Three Noxious Grasp in the main. It's kind of standard now. Obviously, Edwell Innkeeper is kind of the center of the deck. Uh, three Rankle Master of Pranks. The full four Murderous Rider. Two Order of Midnight. Falmar Knight. A couple of Masker Girl. Masker Girl, obviously very good at simplifying the boards and uh, taking out those Wicked Wolves, even even when there's food around. Uh, yeah, this, this list does kind of seem... Pretty targeted at uh, at beating the the food matchups, and Helicasis rewarded with his top eight here. Two legions end as well. I mean, I, I like watching some of the 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 um, what's it called, like the MPL split matches. Uh, I was quite impressed and surprised, and and you know I, I learned a lot by watching them because uh, I just saw all these you know really really good players consistently attacking the mana of in in the mirrors like attack killing paradise druids and 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 geese uh even when there might be let's say a vulnerable wicked wolf on the board or something like that um and i think the legion's end out of these decks does that pretty effectively like if you you know you you often see people playing a goose on turn one into a paradise druid on turn two clearly setting up for a turn three nissa and then legion's end you know, can can put a hard stop to that. Yeah, and it's also the fact that the the goose just remains so powerful into the late game. You know, making a turn, making a food every turn, and just and just gaining you so much life and everything like that. That's why we're seeing so many of these games go to time. It's just because both players just have the ability to to get so much food and and just pad their life total and not really worry about having to to you know be raced by their opponent. So, so if you can clear it out early, you're kind of securing the late game for yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Legion's End also good against Hydro Crisis. If you're going to cast a massive Hydro Crisis, you're like, oh, they definitely have another one in hand. But uh, yeah, but Legion's End, they don't. I also think Legion's End has stock. You know, it went down when there weren't a bunch of zombies to be exiling. But uh, I think it's kind of gone up again, considering Once Upon a Time. So like Once Upon a Time leads to these situations where you're just you're more likely every creature in your deck you're more likely to have it in your hand because of Once Upon a Time. So you can kind of plan around your opponent sometimes having doubles of creatures that they have on the board in hand as well. Um, so I think you're going to get the another copy from the hand more often with Legion's End than you would in, let's say, another format. Yeah, if you can consider that card just reducing your deck size, then yeah, that, that totally checks out. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's Ely Cassis. And then Andrew Cunio on a roll. It's been doing very well lately. Um, Selesnya Adventure. This is one that I kind of thought fell out of favor because it's just so obvious to to play the um, Massacre Girl and that just kind of shuts this deck down pretty effectively. 
But I think most of the Sultai food decks seem to have taken the Massacre Girl out, even out of the sideboard. So, um, yeah, this deck is obviously just still good. And, and white removal, very, very good in this format at the moment because it can't be Veil of Summert. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Andrew Cruno, Selesny Adventure, absolute beast against the amount of Noxious Grasps that were in this tournament, managed to top eight. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, to be fair. Everyone's pre-boarded against your deck and you still top eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so the you know the the key here is to have all your creatures be so bad that none of them are worth the two mana to noxious grasp. Yep. Well, I, yeah, I think that's that's certainly true because yeah, you really are just playing small creatures. A lot of these are you're not really happy spending an entire spell uh, giving them far from maybe edge edge wall keeper, which I guess it can also get get its value back very quickly. Yeah, I mean the play pattern with these Golgari and Selesny adventure decks is is pretty much well established now that. You keep the Edgewall Innkeeper in your hand. Like, you don't just necessarily willy-nilly run it out on turn one unless maybe you're on the play and you know you're guaranteed the value. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of these players now, they keep it in their hand until they can pay one or even more uh, adventure spells on the same turn that you play the Edgewall Innkeeper. And that's such a viable play because the Edgewall Innkeeper is only one mana. Maybe that needs a ban as well. Just ban the entire set. Ban green. <laughs> Edgewall Innkeeper is keeping the format in check. Look at them in, in these two non local decks. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty fun. I always like seeing March of the Multitudes. And, you know, it's just a sweet card. So kind of like seeing that. Super, super uh, sleek mana base. Just one Castle Ardenvale, eight Forest, eight Plains, four Temple Garden. Love it. Yeah, fun. The, the kind of state we're in for mana. Uh, Shepherd, of the Plo- Shepherd of the Flock and uh, Giant Killer. Great combo. You can play your Giant Killer, be tapping stuff. And then if, if a problem comes up later, return it to your hand with uh, Shepherd of the Flock and then use the adventure to kill something. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I still don't understand the one Flaxen Intruder, to be honest. Again, I think it's like a beneficiary of once upon a time. Uh, you're just more likely to have it. And uh, it's basically for, I assume, the Fires of Invention decks, potentially maybe even the Team of Reclamation decks. It's just a, a main deck silver bullet that you can, you know, you kind of, quote unquote, have four copies of it. Or five, sorry. Yeah, but is it's just a bad card, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you have it versus Fires of Invention, they like definitely already got lots of value off the Fires of Invention. In fact, they probably already killed it with them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I also still don't get it. There must be something else. I mean, play the play the fourth flower for, flourish or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can just have Light of, light of Autumn in its face uh, if, if you want that, that uh, flexibility or that option to, to play against Fires and Invention. Well, I think the, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, I think the one mana nature of Flex and Intruder is, is what is important in the deck. Um, being able to convoke out the Venerated Loxodon if it's one of your plays on turn one or two is yeah. probably quite important. Uh, that said, it is very funny that it's a 1-2 rather than a 1-1, one, one, so it doesn't help turn on uh, Lovestruck Beast if the if the human 1-1 gets killed from Lovestruck, Lovestruck Beast. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that would be too pushed, obviously. card would be busted. Yeah. Uh, two Apostle of Purifying Light in the sideboard. What's that about? This is very bizarre. Just to, if you ever run up against the Rakdos Sacrifice deck or the Black Aggro deck, I guess, or whatever. Maybe, yeah. You can exile the, the Cauldron Familiar from the graveyard. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Also, I, yeah, but... 
Yeah, because it's, it's, it's still so hard to exile that Calder figure because they can get it back into play uh, instant speed. Yeah. That, uh, I think it's it's so hard to to attempt to interact with that, that combo. Yeah, it's just the only thing I can think of. Two God Eternal Loketra in the sideboard is interesting as well. Yeah, that is very interesting. I haven't seen that card in a long time. <laughs> yeah, this will seem quite good against them. Um, okay, it's an army of tree trees and uh, Soldai Mirrors, or in the Soldai matchups. But isn't Oketra a 3 3? Don't they just turn it into an elk? <sighs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one trigger is already pretty good, right? Yeah, true, yeah. So if you yeah. can play that into a, into a one drop, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Which you yeah, have yeah. so many of, so. Um... God, elk, Oketra. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the top eight there. Um, not sure how it is. Uh, the, you know, it's it's probably kind of a quarter of the way through the top eight. Um, actually, I don't even know if the quarters are finished. Uh but we will obviously see the results of that later on today and after this podcast is published. So I'll see if I can try and put them in the show notes if they're if if the the MC is finished by that time. But uh, yeah, so obviously Oko dominated tournament and we're expecting a ban. And that's it. That's all we've got. But you're saying three bans. That's the official David Wolf prediction. Um. Yes. No. <laughs> No, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, we'll set the line. At, the line is at 1.5 bands, and I'll take the over. That's fair. Okay, yeah, I also like the over there. And I think specifically it is going to be Nissa and Oko. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 just, I just predict Nissa and Oko. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to they... Oko and um, Oko and Once Upon Time. Do we think they're, they're going to do one of these things where they ban something else from a different deck to like keep it in check, like Reflector Mage? doesn't really seem like we're in that kind of situation right now i mean what's what what other deck like i'm assuming what they're spending their time doing right now is testing the format without oko to see if there is anything else that needs to be banned um like what other thing is ridiculously overpowered like the the only other things that are kind of somewhat keeping up with oko and even even though they're not really are fires and reclamation so could those be banned uh, fire is an absolutely nonsense card but at the end of the day you can just beat it with an aggro deck and like let's say thrashing brontodon or whatever or night of the autumn night of autumn yep or just play a flaxen intruder <laughs> yeah so yeah I-, I don't know i mean teferi is obviously the other most busted card in standard but i feel like if they haven't done anything so far about teferi they're probably not going to yeah i would agree questing beast is questing beast too good no uh, they're not gonna ban another mythic from the new set <laughs> There's no way. That would be pretty funny. Yeah. 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 I think yeah, Questing Beast is, does keep all these powerful planeswalkers in check. Percent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I don't see them banning a, a card from another another deck um, in that fashion. So I'm, I'm just thinking, hit the top deck, take out the problem cards, and uh, I'll be very, very interested to read like their rationale and what they say about it. Um, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I say that, but it's just going to be straightforward. This is too powerful. We're banning it. There's not going to be any kind of apology or anything like that. Yep, I think so yeah. as well. Yeah, I like seeing the development notes that they give sometimes cards, uh, or is that called when they talk about just iterations the card went through before final printing. I like to see uh, what Oko was at the start of development. Yeah, I think they did post those. I don't know if Oko was part of them. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I think that will do it for us today. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us. You can email us at skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. Skullcrack spelled C R A I C. 
you can tweet at us at Skullcrack, or you can tune into the stream, which is usually manned by Kieran. Oh yeah. That's uh, twitch.tv forward slash Skullcrack. And uh, yeah, that is going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. So following, following uh, poor performance by uh, all the Irish players at um, at a GP Leon, and uh, not a single one of us had made it to day two, uh, which is which is unfortunate. Um, and then after I was after I lost in round three of the, the MC, I or the, or the, of the BTQ, uh, I was quite happy to you know not play Magic for the rest of the weekend. Uh, so I had a little bit of I had a bit of wander around the media area, and uh, I came upon uh, a casino quite nearby our our area, and. Um, uh, myself, uh, Liam, Dave, and Sean. Uh, later on, that night, ventured into said casino um, to play to do some some gambling. Um, so I I mentioned before that uh, I played a bit of blackjack. So uh, we we went, we went in uh, first of all. Was, you know, we, we first arrived in. Our intention was to play poker. Uh, at least being Sean's intention was to play poker, but the uh, games hadn't started yet. Um, this was still quite early in the evening, so there was lots of uh, there was. There, there's some kind of card tables, but you know, without dealers yet. So it was really just kind of slots and machines that are playing that are being played at this, at this point. Uh, so I brought the I, I brought the lads to a um, the video blackjack um, you know set of machines. So it's got kind of, all kind of shared one screen, which ended up just being a very kind of fun. It ended up being a very fun uh, experience because you can see each other's hands, you can see what everyone's doing, and it's like easy to see uh, what's going on in the game when we're all sharing one big screen, even though we're, we're all playing separately. Um, and then I use this opportunity to, to train the lads in the in the basics. In the basics of blackjack, you know, it's got two cards. Your your dealer has one card. Uh, there's just mathematically correct play in uh, every single uh, every single um, uh, you know possible position, position in the game. You know stuff like uh, you know you always stand at seventeen and over. Uh, from twelve to seventeen, you stand. Uh, if your dealer has six or below, uh, you hit. If they have seven or more, uh, you always double down eleven. Uh, you double down to ten between the dealer has between zero and nine uh, or two and nine. And you, you double down on nine if they have between three and six. That is that is basics of blackjack. If you know that, you can, you can do. Okay, the casino. So I teach them that. Um, and we're kind of doing okay, not doing no some some you know, winning, losing, kind of going up and down. We're twenty euro in first. Uh, you know, each bet was was two euro. Uh, but then Dave Murphy, he he just very quickly just starts winning a lot. He just won a lot in a row. He turned his he turned his twenty euro into hundred euro uh, at, at the machine, which was was pretty great. Um, so then myself, Sean would play poker for a few hours. Then when we came back, uh, Dave had had upgraded from uh, these machines, blackjack machines, to playing. At a blackjack table, uh, and a blackjack table uh, had it was the min the min bet was ten euro ten euro, which is very very high. Uh, but he had already accumulated so much value from these small machines, uh, these you know, these low, lovely machines that he was he was now ready to take on the table, having just learned how to play blackjack about a few hours previously. Um, so we're kind of around the table. He's playing. We're all kind of laughing and joking. Uh, basically, our our kind of catchphrase for the weekend just became an easy game. That we're just we're constantly saying easy game whenever whenever uh, he wins a hand. Uh, easy game, easy life. Um, so while you're playing, uh, we're, we're, just, we're just making all the, the, the correct plays. Uh, you know, we're hitting on, we're doing kind of this, this scary plays of like, you know, hitting, if you, if you have 15 and the leader has a seven, uh, you're you know, supposed to hit there, even though he might bust, uh, still correct to, to in that position. So like, we're, we're doing that. 
but then at the far end of the table, there's like a group of a group of uh, you know, French guys who are shouting at us in French uh, for doing that. That they're kind of it's something you see all the time in these tables where people have the attitude of, uh, "Oh, you took that high card for me. If you didn't take that high card, uh, if you didn't hit there, the dealer would have busted on that. So therefore, it was a mistake to to do to do to do that." But you know, anyone who's remotely good at any kind of game knows that that's the absolute incorrect way to, to think about these kind of things. Yep. Uh, like one point, and they're like shouting at the French, and all, 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 I'm, all I'm saying back is uh, "Je ne parle pas le français," which uh, is 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 all the French I know. <laughs> all the Leibniz French that has uh, remained in my brain. And at one point, one of them gets the dealer to like play out the hand again to show us that the dealer would have bust if we didn't hit, which is so, such nonsense. Uh, but we're 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 kind of laughing it off. We, we don't really mind. Uh, and then uh, you know, the game's still going on. We're constantly still saying easy game whenever we win. Uh, so at one point, we get a hand that uh, is. So we have a ten. The dealer has a seven. Okay, we, we we have a ten. The dealer has a four. This is a very easy double down. So we so Dave doubles down. Uh, the double down is when you, you double the bet you put in. And you get exactly one card. And um, we double down a ten. He got he got another ten. So putting him with twenty, which is like yeah, very good position. Twenty against the four. It's very likely you're going to win. You know, Dave claps his hands together and says easy game. Uh, and then as the game goes, I know the game goes round. You know, every plays around. He goes to the dealer. The, the, the dealer draws a card, draws a seven, and then draws a ten, uh, giving him exactly twenty one. Uh, we're like, oh well, it's, that's a shame, but you know, you made the right play. Uh, but then the dealer, who hasn't said in English a word of a word of English all night, uh, he taps the cards in front of him and pushes them towards Dave, and he looks up and says, "Easy game." <laughs> uh, we all and that drove us. We all erupted into applause, and that was a, a, a wonderful experience for the night. Uh, actually, Dave was up a lot of money. Then, uh, as 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 all gambling stories go, we eventually lost it. So, so um, <laughs> gambling is fun, but don't do it. Is 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 uh, the, the message of this podcast? Like you know, when you think, ah, oh, I'm doing quite well now. I, that's when you're supposed to leave. Yeah, I, I like I like you uh, leaving the part where he lost all the money to our imagination. That's uh, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it was oh, it was it was fun time, and it's kind of you when you're when you're you know, on your holidays in that sense. It's a uh, it's very easy to play play loose, more loosey, more loosey goosey. Uh, than the usual. Um, yeah. But now I've 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 learned these three young lads. Actually, we have a picture of us um, that was on Sean had taken and posted it. Uh, it's a very very nice picture of, of four lads playing learning how to play blackjack. Uh, I have I've learned these three young gentlemen into uh, into degenerate gamblers and now in the clutches of Gamblor and his neon claws. <laughs> All right, and with that, we will end the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time that uh, that we're all away on a GP because I'll be there and it'll be Pioneer. Woo! Woo! Can't wait. Yes. yes. That's the end of the show. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>